We're in Judges chapter number 16. A very familiar story. Uh, and before we get to chapter 16, we have to take you back to chapter 15. Chapter 15, of course, uh, Samson is the key figure here. And we see in chapter 15 uh, that uh, Samson, uh, he um, has a problem with uh, his daddy-in-law. And out of that, uh, Samson had a little bit of a temper, had a little bit of anger issue. Uh, I know none of you have that issue, but uh, Samson had a little bit of anger issue. And uh, we all know the story where he got the 300 foxes and tied their tails together and set them on fire and caused all kinds of confusion. And then the Philistines got a little upset about that. Uh, but the Bible tells us that the Lord uh, just did a work in Samson's life. Samson uh, killed over a thousand of the Philistines. And then as we close chapter number 15 out, we see that Samson judged the nation for 20 years. So get this in your mind. Put the picture here. Samson is coming out of a great victory. Samson is coming out of where uh, God uh, just used him in a very powerful way. And tonight, we're going to be looking at a message entitled, A Besetting Sin. A Besetting Sin. And so with that background, you're now in the 16th chapter. We're picking up in verse number 1. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, Then went Samson uh, to Gaza, and he saw there a harlot. And he went into her, and it was told uh, the Gazites, uh, saying, Samson is coming hither, and they compassed him in, and they laid in wait for him all night in the gate of the city. And they were quiet uh, all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. But look at verse number 3. And Samson laid until midnight, and he arose at midnight, and he took the doors of the gates of the city and the two posts, and he went uh, away with, with, with them, bar and all, and he put them upon his shoulders and he uh, carried them unto the top of an hill that is before Hebron. So we see here tonight in chapter 16, we see that Samson, he had an issue with anger, but that was not an issue that wasn't worked through. But then we see as we come into chapter 16... Samson had a besetting sin. And the besetting sin that led to his demise was that of women. Now, this is not a sermon of, about women per se because the principles that we're going to see here tonight, it doesn't matter uh, if it was a woman. It doesn't matter whatever the case may be. But we need to understand tonight, we have to be very careful and we have to be on guard and we have to be alert, if you will, because it could very well be that you have a besetting sin that you need to deal with. And if you don't deal with it, it will lead to your demise as well. Matter of fact, 
This besetting sin could cause you to lose your testimony. Now, not only are we talking individually, but we're talking corporately. See, the Bible is quite clear that sin is an ugly thing to God. He doesn't take it lightly. Now, we understand that when we talk about sin in our world today, and even in our church, we try to, uh, to sugarcoat it, if you will. Uh, when we're talking about adultery, we don't want to call it adultery because adultery is a little too much in your face and too offensive, so we'll call it a uh, different lifestyle or an open marriage. We talk about homosexuality and lesbianism. We don't want to call it that it's abomination because that's what the Word of God says about it. But we don't want to use that because we want to be politically correct because we're trying to identify with this world. But the Bible is quite clear. God hates it. But then we can go ahead and we can call all kinds of things. We, we don't like to use the word. If you have a problem with alcohol, we don't like to call him a drunkard, even though that's what the Bible calls it. But we'll go ahead and say he just has a problem with drink. And so here the Bible uh, is going to help us to understand tonight in the life of Samson that he had a besetting sin that led to his destruction. And it is true for every one of us here tonight. If you do not deal with sin, sin will deal with you. And when sin deals with you, it does not end up well. And so, first of all, we're going to see that in verse number 1, notice that uh, the Bible says that he entertained a problem. Now, notice, he comes out of a great victory. But then he goes, uh, and he goes with an intent to meet up with a woman. Now, this is not the first time that Samson had a problem with a woman. He'd already had a previous time. But we also know, when you look at verse number 4 in chapter 16, he has a problem with another woman. And that other woman uh, is the one that led to his demise. That's where she brought him down. Now you say, well, that was not the woman's fault. You're exactly right. It was because Samson had a besetting sin that he did not overcome. And so that sin overcame him. So he goes to Gaza. Now we know it's intentional because he's 45 miles from home. Now, maybe he had this thought that uh, what happens in Gaza stays in Gaza. But we all know that when you go and you're involved in sin, it just doesn't stay there. It spreads. And now not only, it, you may be able to hide it from the rest of us. He would maybe hide it from his hometown, but you can't hide it from God. And so we see that he goes and he has this problem. Now, I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, the Bible says, and we all know the chapter, it's talking about running a race. And in chapter 12 of Hebrews, in verse number 1, the Bible says to lay aside every weight. 
In other words, he's saying as we're running this race of life uh, that we have some weight that we need to get rid of. Now, I'm not talking about weight that I need to get rid of. I'm talking about what's holding you down from going on and being all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, and to lay aside, then notice, the sin that so easily besets you. Now, that is a definite article and, and if you need to translate, the literal translation would be, lay aside, get rid of the sin that will beset you. The, the sin, the one sin. And if all of us were honest tonight, every one of us already in our minds, we can say, here's my problem. Here's that sin that could be a besetting sin for me. Maybe tonight that anger, anger. I mean, you, you, just, you just get so worked up and before you know it, you done run ahead and you blast it off and you peel the paint off the walls after somebody and you dressed them down and you said some things that were hurtful things, some things that you could never recall back and you can say, you know what? You're right, brother my, my temper gets the best of me. That's your besetting sin. Amen. Now, we're not only saying, but what about bitterness? You've gotten ticked off about something. You got your feelings hurt long time ago, but you haven't got over it. You have an unforgiving spirit and you can go ahead and justify it all you want, but that unforgiveness has now festered into bitterness and now that bitterness is controlling every area of your life. That's a besetting sin. Maybe it's pride. Whatever, you go ahead and you fill in the blanks because I know that my, my problem and I know my weakness. I know what, that when I get in a certain situation that if I'm not careful and if I'm not walking in the Spirit and if I'm not prayed up and I don't have my whole armor on, it's going to get me. That's a besetting sin. But notice here, uh, as we go on with the story, uh, this sin was a sin that led to his demise. Now, understand, we all deal with sin. We all struggle with sin. Romans chapter 7 is quite clear. Paul speaking, Paul says, the things that I should do, I'm not doing. The things I don't need to be doing, that's the ones I find myself doing. He goes on and says, it's a struggle. And it's a struggle until you get called home. We all have to deal with sin. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed world. You can get away with it. You can do all the uh, guarding that you need. You, you're careful about what you watch. You're careful about what you listen to. You're careful about the crowd that you hang out with. But I'm telling you, because of the world in which we live and because we are by nature sinners that we have to be on guard, on point every day because if we don't, our besetting sin especially is going to come up and bite us and cause us to fall. So what do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse number two. In verse number two, it tells us that he, uh, uh, Samson goes on down and he, of course, meets with a lady. He, his intentions uh, are quite clear in chapter number two, but the enemy finds out. Samson's in town. Now remember, there's still 
a little ticked off at him because of what happened in chapter 15. They haven't gotten over it. So the word gets out, Samson's in town, so they go ahead and they start to plot. My dear friend, you need to understand, I need to understand tonight, not only does the Lord Jesus know where you're at, but Satan knows where you're at too. And he's going to have his demonic forces surrounding us. It would probably scare us out of our wits if we could see the invisible that's happening even now. We are in a spiritual conflict. And there's things going on around us that is demonic in nature. But we have good news. The Lord Jesus has given us the aid of the holy angels... And they're fighting these battles for us when we're not even aware of it. But, but here, notice, the enemy is coming around. Now, that helps us to understand that Galatians chapter 5 verse number 16 says that we need to be walking in the Spirit. Why do we need to be walking in the Spirit? We need to be walking in the Spirit because if we're walking in the Spirit, then we will not entertain the flesh. Why? Because the enemy's all around us. Uh, so they got this plan. But the Bible also tells us, as they were lying in wait, the Bible there in 1 Peter tells us that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And so he's around the corner. He's waiting for you to let your guard down. And then he gets you. Now, some scholars tell us that that text talking about that uh, Satan is a roaring lion, that uh, when you're saved, then that lion becomes gunless. No, the Bible is quite clear. The Bible explains itself. The Bible says he will devour. That means he will bite you. He will hurt you. See, his purpose is not just to kind of give you a bloody nose. His purpose is to destroy you and destroy your family. The purpose of Satan tonight is to destroy this church. And he'll do everything he can. And so here, uh, Sam, uh, Samson goes, but the enemy is lurking around. But notice here... Uh, you go to Greek mythology to help explain uh, the difference between a besetting sin uh, and, and sin in itself. In Greek mythology, there was a great warrior. His name was Achilles. And in the story, Achilles was a, a, a great warrior and he met up with a sea goddess who was uh, Theus. Theos was going to help uh, uh, him out. And so she dipped him in the river six times. These, this river had magical powers. And it made him invincible. But there was only one thing. She held him by his heel. So he goes out. He's invincible. Uh, he's in a great battle now. But an arrow... Sticks him right in that heel and kills him. 
That's the reason why we have that term. That's my Achilles heel. That's where it came from. What is your Achilles heel? It's your besetting sin. Now the Bible is quite clear that in Ephesians chapter 6 it says to put on the whole armor of God. And see, the problem that we have sometimes because we're in such busy, we're, we're, we're worried about getting things done and whatnot, that sometimes we'll leave off a piece of that armor. My dear friend, we need to be very careful that we do not leave off one piece of armor because that one piece that's left unattended is the one that he'll shoot for. Because he knows your weakness. He knows what kind of situation to get you in. Here, Samson goes, and the Bible says that uh, the enemy was waiting for him. Uh, but in verse number 3, we see God uh, does something for him. It said, Samuel laid until midnight, and then he arose at midnight. Could it be that God woke Samson up? See, normally he would have slept till morning. If he'd have slept till morning, the enemy would kill him. But he rose a little bit earlier and he got out of town. God helped deliver him. Now, watch where we're going. See, sin will put you in danger. But my dear friend, many times we blame Satan... And we blame everything else when it's really our fault. Sometimes we put ourselves in danger. Don't know if it, maybe we think that we've arrived. Oh, I, 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 I've, been, I've been saved for a number of years. I, you know, I, I know I'm not perfect, but you know, I think I got a pretty good handle on this stuff. Or it could be uh, that we are uh, looking at Satan and his demonic forces and we're not giving him credit where credit is due. He is a powerful foe. And you and I cannot take him on our own. And aren't you glad tonight because you've been saved by the precious blood of the Lamb and when the Lord Jesus came into your heart, he empowered you and he gave you all that you needed to be able to overcome Satan and sin in the flesh. But many times we put ourselves in positions. It's like the little boy was telling a story and he said something about sowing his wild oats. And he says, I, I just want to go out and sow my wild oats. And then I want to pray for crop failure. Some of us are like that, aren't we? See, what, what has happened to, to many is that, that we really don't think this sin business is that serious. We, we, we really don't realize how powerful an enemy we have. 
And here, many of us are setting ourselves, and, and we're doing like when, when our, we're children. Now, I, I know I talk about my grandchildren, but they give great illustrations, okay? And, and, and so, uh, you'll tell uh, one of the boys and say, now look, uh, you don't need to go, uh, you don't need to pick that up, you don't need to put your hands right there, you need to stay away from that. And here's what they'll do. I've seen them. They'll go over, and you'll say, now you don't need to cross this line over here. You need to stay over in this room and they'll go as close to that edge as they can get and then they look around and see if Papa's watching. Many of us are treating sin like that. We're going to get all as close as we can get. And then we fall and we look around and says, well, God, I thought you'd help me this time too. Be careful that you're blaming God when you ought to be blaming yourself. And so he goes and we see in this story, not only, uh, but we notice uh, uh, what can we do about it? He, uh, we, we understand uh, that he intentionally went there. Uh, we understand all of that. We understand that in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 16, uh, that he talks about. Uh, and, and here's where it starts to talk. See, the Bible is quite clear. The Bible will give you clear instructions on how you can come from not letting that besetting sin, uh, sin overtake you. And in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, it says to avoid it. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? Just avoid it or pass it by. Remember the story of Joseph. Joseph, uh, remember he was in Potiphar's house and uh, the woman was after him. And uh, she was trying to put him in a, a, a very difficult situation. And the Bible says uh, Joseph did something radical. I mean, something really deep thinking. The Bible says he got out of there. Hey, it works. You know, you know what your besetting sin is. You know what your weakness is. And so when you see a situation... Your discernment ought to be kicking in. Hey, don't go there. Don't go there. You know that maybe your tongue gets a little too loose at times. And so you see a a, a group over here and and you know they're they're talking something good. I mean, because they're whispering. And so what do you do? You just kind of get a little closer and you get the ear a little bit over there then you'll hear somebody's name that you're already kind of upset with anyway. And so now you're stopping and you say, hey, I hate to intercede. I just happened to overhear you. And now you jump into this and because you have a problem with your tongue, now you're stirring it even more. Is this making sense? See, why why didn't you just stay away from it? You knew what was coming up. You chose to do it. Now, we talk to our children back in the back all the time, make good choices. We talk to our teenagers, make good choices. Well, adults, we need to be making some good choices. And there are situations you know you ought to stay away from, but because of that besetting sin, you find yourself gravitating toward just like Samson. Samson knew he had a problem with women. He knew his track record was not good. But he still chose to put himself in a position for failure. Too many of our churches have fallen the same way. 
Too many of our churches is giving in and we are be said and seen is that that old flesh. And so what are we doing? We're letting worldly things come in. Fleshly things come in. We're looking at things and saying, well, I don't see any problem with this. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with spreading the gospel. It doesn't have absolutely nothing to do with ministering to someone in need. It's something that that flesh kind of desires, and so that's what we want. And now we're seeing churches that you cannot, unless you saw where it had maybe church on its name, and many of them are taking that off instead, they're doing everything they can to make their buildings look like they're not a church. And then we expect, we don't see the impact And we don't see that people are growing in faith there because their flesh overrode their their besetting sin. And so tonight, we've got to make a choice here. You know, you know what your besetting sin is. You know what gets you in trouble. So what are you going to do about it? First of all, You need to make yourself aware that Satan is alive and well. And you need to realize he's looking to destroy you. He's looking to destroy your testimony. We hear every day of pastors falling. Say, well, how could that happen? They had a besetting sin. Is, well, I mean, I mean, what do we do about that? Well, first and foremost, you need to be walking in the Spirit. And you need to make a choice. This is intentional here, folks. This is not like, okay, you know, there's some kind of secret formula here. No, this is intentional. You have to, in your heart and in your mind, say, I'm intentionally looking to overcome this besetting sin because it's causing me to be dishonoring to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's causing me to be a poor witness to my lost friends that I'm working with. You've got to be intentional to do that. You have to be disciplined to do this. You don't need to go and say, well, Bible study. When do you do your Bible study? Oh, whenever I get a free minute. You need to be intentional that this is the time. I'm sitting down with God and I don't care what else is going on. But this is my time with God. We make appointments where everything else that we make, the the things we really want to do, we'll make sure we'll do. But when it comes to Bible study, hey, whenever I can get around to it. And then you wonder why you're not being victorious. You wonder why you have an empty feeling inside. You have, a, uh, you have this feeling that, you know, I just don't think I've really given it all. Well, the reason why you have that feeling that you're not giving it all is because you haven't given it all. Because you want to hold back. You want to hold back. Uh, Dale Moody, he's one of my, I get a, he, he had such great quotes and good preaching. D.L. Moody said it this way. When it talked about sin and how to overcome sin, he says, um, he says, well, it's very easy. He said, uh, you know, you can prevent birds from flying around you. He says, well, I guess you can. You know, you can swat at them and whatnot. 
He says, now you can prevent that. Or, or you can't prevent it. I mean, they're still going to be nuisance, you know. But, you, you know. but he says, you can prevent them building a nest. That's sin. You're not going to prevent sin from being in your presence because you live in this world. But you sure can do something about them not building a nest and camping out in your life. You with me? So how do we do this? Well, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, already talk, is that you walk in the Spirit. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, you will not entertain the flesh. I like it the way Billy Graham said it. Some years ago, I heard this, and I've used this many times over, and maybe you've heard me say it again, but it's good enough to say it again, okay? He talked about the two fighting dogs. This man had a black dog and had a white dog. And no matter which dog he would take to the dog fight, now before you get upset, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying dog fighting's okay. I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying that, so don't get all upset. That Brother Mike encourages us to have, go to the dog fights. But I know where one is at Saturday night. If you, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, uh, so he said, so if he takes the black dog, he puts his money on the black dog. Now, here again, don't go out and say, Brother Mike says it's okay to be gambling. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to give you an illustration, all right? Don't get all worked up here. And so he, he, it, well, no matter what dog he put his money on, that dog won. Finally, one man went up to him and he says, sir, he says, I notice I've been coming to these fights and it doesn't matter which dog you put into the ring there or whatever dog you put your money on, that dog always wins. What is, the, what is, what is your secret to success here? He says, it's quite easy. He says, I always put my money on the dog I fed that week. So which dog are you feeding? You feeding your flesh or you feeding your spirit? Do you, do you see where this thing's going? Samson was feeding his flesh. He had a besetting sin. He had problems with women, don't we all? But no, no, no I, I didn't say that. <laughs> Something came over the airways. I, I, I'm kidding, ladies. You know I love you, ladies, and I love women. I mean, my mom's one. I married one. I'm, I'm, I'm good with women. Sometimes. <laughs> After tonight, maybe none of y'all. But, but uh, so, uh, and, 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 but I mean, that was his problem. And it finally led to his downfall. My dear friend, here's what I want to tell you. Is that you know, you know the area of your life that's the weakest. And you know that sin that trips you up every single time. So you hear very simple, but to the point. You have to make a choice. You have to be intentional that you're not going to go there. You're aware of situations you know you don't need to be getting into. Because it's going to hurt you. Here again, Satan knows your weakness. Oh, he knows. You might have a problem with patience. 
I've been told that you got to be careful for what you pray for because you might get it. I met a, a man who was a man of wisdom, and he said, Son, he says, uh, don't ever pray for patience. I said, well, I mean, you know, I, I have some problem with that, but it's, you know, but he says, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Don't. I said, why would you not? He says, well, he says, because uh, uh, I prayed for it one time. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, well, what happened? He says, I prayed for it. And I said, Lord, you know I need to work on patience. You know that's, a, a, that's something I really have to work with. And he, he says, I prayed for patience. I prayed for patience. And he says, then I went to Walmart. And I got in the longest line that there was in that store. And I started fussing and I started complaining. I'm starting thinking, that's the reason why I don't come to Walmart. They don't have enough cashiers. God, I don't know why I'm in the longest line here. And, you know, and he, he says, I'm ramping and raving. And he says, it's just like that. Holy Spirit slapped him in and said, hey, you just prayed for it this morning. And he, God, listen, God will answer your prayers. Now, I'm not praying if you have a problem with patience, not to pray for patience. You ought to pray for patience. But God will show you a way out of your situations. Here in 1 Corinthians, uh, 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, He will make a way of escape. Amen. Now, but watch it. Watch, but don't expect and don't cry out and say, Well, God didn't fall through this way when you intentionally and by your own accord put yourself in that position. And then say, God, where's my way of escape? And we do that. I mean, none of us want to take the blame for our sin, do we? God's fault. God said he would take, make a way. Well, he also gave you some common sense. And he's given me some common sense. And you know, you know that you should have never put yourself in that position. So don't get so bent out of shape when you put yourself in the position that you know you shouldn't have been in and then God doesn't do something for you. Now, he couldn't do that. But why would he? Why would he? What would that be? What kind of lesson would that be for us? It'd be like when you have a son and, and he calls you from jail and he says, Dad, I need you to bail me out of jail. So you bail him out of jail. And then, then two weeks later, he calls, Dad, I need you to bail me out of jail. Oh, you go bail him out of jail. And say, now, boy, I'm telling you, you're going to have to shape up. And you give him those lectures. And three weeks later, he calls you again. And you go right back down. When I was in alcohol uh, counseling, we used to call it enablers. And that's exactly what God would do to us. If we put ourselves into position... And call out to him, say, God, hey, bail me out, God, bail me out. Why would God do that? He's not teaching us a lesson. And it could be that we wake up and say, you know what? This is starting to get kind of old. Every time I put myself in this position, I mess up. Amen. Duh. I mean, this is not hard. But here's the bottom line. Do you really want to be set free from it. Do you really want to be set free? Maybe you like your pride and arrogance. God doesn't, but maybe you do. Maybe you like your alcohol. Maybe you, whatever the case, you just go ahead and name it. Maybe you really 
like it. And you're not willing to totally turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. But my dear friend, don't be expecting that he's going to keep on rescuing you when you keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. Our churches are full. We have not done a good job of telling them because we don't want to ruffle feathers. And I'm not saying that we should be nasty to one another, but the Bible is quite clear that if you see a brother or sister stumbling, we are going to encourage them. Not to go beat them up. And that's what we usually do. Well, you idiot. You stupid. You deserve it. I'm not saying that. Go and encourage them, but not condone it. 